Welcome to the Women in Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather Kennison, and I am your host as well as the founder of Women in Youth Ministry. Our goal as an organization is to elevate the voices of women in a male-saturated field. While we love to partner with all genders for our podcast, we are currently in a series called Women Teach the Bible. The series is so important because if you ask who a person's favorite preachers, speakers, authors, or podcasters are, often you find that list dominated by men. And while we love y'all, I want to create a space for women to teach so that you can hear the Bible through a different lens. For more, you can follow us on Insta or Twitter at WomenInYM, or go to our website, womenandyouthministry.com. and welcome back to this week's episode of the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. We are continuing in our series, Women Teach the Bible. And one of the first people I thought of was Lonnie Fancher. Fancher? That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's weird that I feel like we know each other so well, and yet we don't know each other at all. It's so bizarre. No, no, it's, it's true. Um, like, in so many ways, the same person and, um, our internet sisters, but it's true. In fact, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell the story of how I really got to know you, if that's okay. So fun story. Lonnie at one point was interviewed to be my boss and it kind of came down to Lonnie and somebody else who they did hire, but got hired as coworker. That's important. Um, And they decided that Lonnie and I were too similar (laughs) and that it wouldn't be a great fit. (laughs) And it was great. Like, I didn't know that at all. They just kind of emailed me and were like, Hey, you were awesome. We loved everything about you. You didn't get it. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, Okay. And then I think like a month later, you reached out to me and were like, Hey, just so you know, I know it's super frustrating to interview for a job and they give you no feedback. Like here's, here's the real tea. Um, because you and I got acquainted like right as that was happening. And I, and I was like, this is really awkward because you and I are getting to know each other, but you may not know that I know who you are. So it's yeah. funny because like we got connected through women in youth ministry, but as that was happening, you also interviewed to be my boss. So yes. fun. It's, it's funny how things it's, work. It's funny how things work out. And what ended up happening is that you kind of became your own boss and they yes. reconfigured how that position is working. And it's way better. I would imagine for you and for your church as a general rule, just knowing you yeah. Yeah. And for you, because you got to move to be closer to your family. Yeah. So I, we both, one of the things we have in common is we both grew up Baptist. Mm -hmm. Um, The Baptist church that I grew up in is six blocks south of the church where I currently work. And so I'm a little afraid. I was glad that, kind of glad that we didn't go on mission trip this summer because Mm -hmm. I was really afraid that sleep deprived me would have like 20 years of muscle memory of pulling the mission trip vans into the wrong parking lot. (laughs) <laughs> and we'd come back and I just like drive into, and kids would be like, um, we, we live up there. Like, what are you doing? So, so I didn't have, I have another year before I have to have those fears again. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, I'm down the street and I never thought God would bring me home, but now I'm home. So it's a, 
weird and glorious thing. That's awesome. So I do love asking um, everyone who comes on, what is your call story? How did you get involved in ministry? Um, I ran from a call like I was running from Nineveh um, and just avoided it. All the, I didn't want to be boxed in. Um, my extended family, my mom's side of the family has five generations of ministers. Like as far back as we've been in the States, we've been in ministry in some capacity. And I didn't want to be that story. I wanted to be somebody who wrote and traveled and had a bigger life and bigger dream than that. And so, and I wanted to be involved in church because like, I love Jesus, but I didn't want to like that to be everything. And so I went, um, and looked for bigger colleges and bigger things to do. And I ended up at a small Baptist college and ran for my call there. In fact, I stopped dating anybody who was a music minister or a religion major my senior year because all those dudes were headed to seminary and they were looking for wives. And I was like, peace, no, not, not <laughs> my life. Um, and graduated uh, a semester after September 11th had happened. And so I had this job lined up where I was gonna go to New York and do kind of parachurch ministry in New York. And then it didn't happen because their infrastructure wasn't back to where they needed it to be. And so they kept saying, okay, instead of in May, we want you to come in like the end of the summer. And then in like July, they would call and said, okay, instead of like August, we really are not going to need you till the fall. So maybe like October. And then about the end of September, they called and were like, okay, maybe like just before Christmas, like that'll get you here in time for the holidays. And that's a fun time to be in New York. And then, about Thanksgiving, they called and were like, just kidding. It's going to be after the new year. And so like by May, I'd been home a year living in my parents' house, not really doing anything like interning at my church, working at the gap. Um, cause any day now I'm moving to New York to have this awesome job, uh, to help network churches and do all these things. And, um, my friend Josh called and was like, um, you should come be a, he was living in France. Um, and he was like, you should come be a nanny for my pastor. And I was like, listen, I, <laughs> um, first of all, I have a degree in English. So moving to France, seems like the most ridiculous thing ever in the universe. <laughs> and so, like it's a waste of my degree. And I do not like small children. Like I don't enjoy Same. them and they don't really enjoy me because I am a, loud and sarcastic per person and I tend to make them cry on a regular basis <laughs> and so um and Josh was like finally like back and forth back and forth and finally he was like I wish you would pray about it which is like the trump card right like <laughs> now I guess I have to pray about it and so the next time he called I was like sure tell tell your pastor friend that he can call me and so pastor friend calls me and as he is interviewing me on the phone all the stuff he's saying to me is the stuff that God had been telling me as like, as I'd been praying, I hung up the phone and was like, mom, I'm moving to France. And she was like, to do what? And I was like, to be a nanny. And she was like, you don't like kids. And I was like, I know it's a weird thing. And I get to Paris and they take me out to dinner the first night. And I haven't even officially moved there yet. And they're on a layover to do something else. And they take me out to dinner and the pastor's like, Hey, um, we 
have this young adult and youth group that we've been trying to kind of get off the ground, but we haven't had anybody in a long time who's had experience in those areas. While you're here, would that be something that would be interesting to you? Would you wow. want to do that? Um, and it was just so clear to me that, I mean, yes, absolutely yes. But it was one of those moments where I realized that maybe sometimes saying yes to God means saying yes to a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Um, and that God's plan and path for me wasn't always going to be a linear one. Uh, hmm. And stepping out on faith looks different than I thought it did. So, so that, and then, so that was, you know, the summer of 2003 and I've been doing this ever since. I love that. All right. So let's get into your Bible story. Um, mm -hmm. I'm first curious about what Bible story did you choose and why did you choose it? How did this Bible story get laid on your heart? Uh, well, this Bible story has been on my heart for six months or more. Like it just keeps coming back to me, which is annoying. Cause I feel like that's how God works scripture in my life in general. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of frustrating, but that's neither here nor there. So it's the story of Adam and Eve, which is, I feel like a story everybody, even non-Christians think they know the story, right? Like it's a story that we all kind of know and maybe is one of those stories that we all think we know so well that we don't read it anymore. Hmm. Uh, that we, you know, oh, I know that story. I know how like all of those things happen. And so we haven't actually sat down and read that story as adults. Um, and like most of the Bible stories, this story is insane. When you sit down and read the non-rated GBBS version of it that's actually in the text, it's a little nutty. And so, um, so that's kind of where I am. I normally, when you asked me to do this, I was like, oh my gosh, I can tell the story of like Ehud or <laughs> JL or um, Rahab or all of these different people. Like I gravitate towards the weird stories like Balaam and his donkey and the angel with the fiery sword, like all of those stories. Um, and when I started praying about it and thinking about it, this was just the one that kept coming back. And I was like, ah, oh, but that's so basic. I want to be basic. But also I think it's good to hear, rehear stories that we think we know in new and different ways. So. Yeah. So and I think what I'm excited about you telling this story is oftentimes when I hear like a classic story, I can already give you the three points that they're going to give or whatever. Right. But what the way that you are going to tell this, I know is different than I've heard it. So I'm super excited. So let's get into the Lonnie Fancher edition of scripture. Go ahead and tell us. <laughs> Such a risky little game. So <laughs> in the beginning, uh, God gets bored just being by themselves all the time, uh, <laughs> which I think we can all relate to in pandemic corona tide times, um, and decides to get creative. And so God starts creating everything, and he creates light and dark and sea and sky and land and sea and plants and day and night and fish and birds and animals and everything that God creates. At the end of it, it God says, and it was good. And then he decides to get even more creative and starts creating people. And he creates 
um, these people and scripture immediately says, and the people were very good. And so you see the shift in scripture, right? Like all of a sudden this story isn't just about God. It's about God and these other people, which I think is a huge thing. Um, and we of course know those people as Adam and Eve. Um, and God has declared them very good and God creates Adam and tells him to name all the things and he can do whatever he wants and he can enjoy whatever he wants, you know, play with it, name it, eat it, take care of it, what else? Um, and we don't know how long that goes on before God kind of realizes that Adam's lonely too. And God gets that because God has been bored and lonely. And so that's why creation had all happened. So um, he creates Eve and gives Adam a partner to go through this existence with. Um, and so God tells Adam, you can have anything, all of this stuff, except this one tree. And if you eat from that one tree, you're going to die. And Adam doesn't question that at all, uh, which I think is weird because there was no concept of death to begin with. So like, you know, it's, it's a thing. I think it's good. Well, I think it's frustrating is what I think it is, but I think it's, <laughs> there's a reason that God gave this instruction before Eve was created, because I think Eve would have come at him like, all right, first of all, I don't know what die is. And second of all, what do you mean? Like any fruit of the tree or like just these fruits? Like I need more clarification and linear things. And Adam's just like, all right, don't eat that. Fine. And so <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Like I've got all this other stuff. It's fine. And so there's this tree, it's growing and it's lovely and everything is awesome. And then one day a snake shows up, which is perplexing. And every time I tell the story to teenagers, they're like, but how did this snake talk? And I, I'm like, I don't like, that's not the point of the story. And the answer to that is, I don't know. And if you are a person of faith and you can't say, I don't know about your faith sometimes, then maybe your faith is not big enough because this I don't know is a pivotal thing in my theology. So the snake yeah. shows up and he starts. And, and to, my, my answer to that is like, also the snake had legs. Right. Like there's a right. lot about this snake. Maybe it's just a misinterpretation. and wasn't a snake at all. Maybe it was like, Ooh. you know, <laughs> Ooh, getting right? risky. Maybe it's a <laughs> dragon. I don't know. What? I've never thought about that before. He's like, oh my gosh. And God's like, no, no, <laughs> now, now, like, in fact, I think maybe this, maybe, maybe all interaction makes more sense if we start picturing the snake voice in Eddie Murphy from Mulan. Um, maybe that's what needs to happen. Mushu. I think we just, I think the Lonnie Fancher edition is like, it's just Mushu from here. So we don't know. Like, there's a lot of things. Um, but regardless, the snake starts doing what the devil always does, uh, which is taking exactly what God said and making us question it. And twisting it just enough that we're uncomfortable with it. And so the snake comes to Eve and is like, did God really say you can't eat from any of these trees? And Eve's like, oh no, like we can eat whatever we want. We just can't eat from that tree over there or like we're going to die. And the snake goes, you're not going to die. Like, 
that's not a thing. God just doesn't want you to eat from it because you'll be like God and you'll understand good and evil and all the things. And God doesn't want you to be awesome like he is. And so Eve takes the fruit and eats it and then hands it to Adam, who is with her, like literally right there in chapter three, verse six, it says she turns to her husband who was with her. I don't know how many times I've heard pastors go and we don't know where Adam was or that none of this would have happened. We do know oh, he's standing right there. Watch the whole thing go down. Didn't open his mouth. Um, <laughs> like, and, he, and then he takes the fruit and eats from it too. Cause she didn't die. Like she's, she's already munching and she's still standing there. And so he, he eats it too. And then they both have this moment where they realize that they're naked. Uh, which what hadn't been like they'd always been naked hadn't been a big deal before but now part of what death is is shame hmm. and so now they're ashamed of who they are uh, and so they know God is coming because they have this like standing evening date with God God comes and hangs out with them every night because even God is smart enough not to hang out in the heat of the day he comes in the cool of the day <laughs> God's not dumb <laughs> And so shows up to hang out with them and they're hiding. And I mean, it's God, right? God knows what's up. So if we were in youth group, we would talk about how this is maybe the first instance of sarcasm in all of creation because God's <laughs> response is, Hey, where are you? And they're like, Oh, we hid because we realized we were naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Like he hasn't created everything that can talk. Like he knows exactly what went down. Um, and immediately, instead of answering that question, Adam blames Eve and Eve blames the snake and the snake is nowhere to be found. Like the snake is pieced out and God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like that's, that's not what, that's not what we're about. Like I created you to be in partnership with one another. I created you to take care of one another and you failed. Hmm. So when we look at how God punishes them, um, the snake gets cursed and is no longer Mushu. It's now like slithering around on his belly and doesn't get to talk anymore. Um, <laughs> Maybe this is the answer to why we don't have dinosaurs anymore. Right? No dragons because it went bad in the garden. Um, Figured it out. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and he turns to Eve and is like, here's the deal. Like Adam was standing right there and you didn't consult him about any of this. Like he was there to receive my instruction. He could have told you that the snake was a liar, but you didn't even ask. And so now you're going to desire your husband and you're going to seek companionship from this dude. Um, and childbirth, which I don't, which is another word that I'm sure she would have been like, excuse me, what is childbirth? Um, is going to be hard now. Um, and to Adam, he says, all of this stuff, like I gave you literally everything, but you didn't value it enough to speak up or defend it. And so now you're going to have to work for it. So you value it um, so that it means something to you. And so life is going to get harder because working for something makes you value it a little more. And so that's like, he kicks them out of the garden, makes provision for them. Uh, but they live 
a less than perfect Eden existence because they didn't depend on each other when it mattered most. Hmm. That's wild. Well, and I love your interpretation of the story is like less focused on um, the consequences themselves mm-hmm. and more so on the community. And well, think, go ahead. I think when we look at scripture, I always read scripture with a lens of why. Hmm. Like, why has God forbidden this thing? Why has God said that this is not okay? Because God's, I mean, God's super whimsical, but he's not haphazard. And so hmm. it's not like God's going, you just can't have this because I don't want it. <laughs> like, I said, no, like, that's not who God is. And so when we look at, you know, through exodus and they're not allowed to eat pork or shellfish well no duh because you're trying to get thousands of people wandering through the desert from one point to another the last thing you need is for them all to get food poisoning and and you can't refrigerate like your nomadic people in i don't know 5000 bc like you can't refrigerate or cook shellfish and pork properly. So we're just going to take it off the table. Just don't, don't deal with that. It's a bad life choice. Um, We don't have to worry about that. So it's no longer a consequence. It's the why of why God does things for me is almost as important as to as what God says to begin with. I agree. I love that. Uh, I like, I think I'm going to be replaying that line in my head. God is super whimsical, but not haphazard. I think that's so good and so important when we think through all the, especially all the weird stuff that happens in the Bible. Right. But today we're not even talking about something all that weird. No, it's we're totally talking, a normal story. Absolutely. I mean, we're literally talking about the consequences that happen when we fail one another. And I think oftentimes we look at the consequences that Adam and Eve were given and we think of them as individual consequences. So Adam did this. And so here's a laundry list of consequences for Adam and Eve did this. So here's her consequences and Serpent did this, Mushu did this. Here's his consequences too. But it's also about communal consequences. It's about the shame that comes. It's about uh, their indebtedness to one another about the flawed in their relationships. So could you talk a little bit more about why it's important that we view maybe the consequences of sin in terms of communal sin versus individual sin? This is going to get super theological. It's like, wow, we're going way deep. Uh, I think, I mean, there's both, right? So there are absolutely individual sins. Absolutely. Uh, And on a surface level, the eating of the apple in and of itself for pomegranate or fig or whatever (laughs) random fruit it was. I always picture the star fruit from Land Before Time. Oh, nice. See, in my head, it's always a pomegranate uh, because pomegranates, you can't eat, like they take some effort. And so like there was some moment of, like they had time to back out and still did not. Um, like they had to go find a knife, bust it open, right. like do the whole thing. <laughs> you don't just bite into a pomegranate. It takes some work. Um, so yeah, so whatever that is, like there was sin in that action. 
but there was also sin in standing there next to each other and not speaking up to the serpent. Mm -hmm. And there's also sin in standing there next to each other and letting the outside world put doubts in your head about who God is and not standing up to each for each other and reminding each other in your community who thing who God is. And so I think as a church culture, communal sin is a hard one to deal with, especially in America, because we are all about the individualism uh, for better or for worse. And so yeah. like the you do you is a very real thing in America. And God's not about that. Like the very next story is, you know, Cain and Abel and am I my brother's keeper? And God's like, actually kind of, yeah. Um, and so, and the rest of the Old Testament is the Hebrew people having to take care of each other and what happens when they don't. Hmm. And so the idea that we're accountable to one another. And if you individually are sinning, that's one thing, but if we're leading each other in the wrong direction, that's a whole other thing. Hmm. Or if what we're doing is causing people to go further away from God, that's a big thing. And so calling each other out on that and holding one another accountable is part of what community is supposed to be about. Hmm. I think sometimes those of us who are a little bit more progressive, which I would put both of us in a more oh, progressive yeah. camp of Christianity, I think sometimes we get accused of allowing individuals to do whatever they want. Right. And I don't think that's true, actually. I think that the emphasis is more so on how are our actions hurting the community? Because at the end of the day, it's the community that is important to Christianity. Oh, I think that's super true. I think, I think you're right. We get a, we get a rap for being super passive um, and not caring about scripture or not caring about, you know, what God said. And I think the difference maybe is that we're more focused on what was God's intent versus mm. what was, what did God, like, what were the verbatim words? Mm. Cause you know, that, that gets murky at best. Um, and so figuring out how does that show and reflect God in the community? I also think that there's an element of trusting in the Trinity a little bit hmm. that like, I'm not going to legislate who you are and what you're about because that's not my job until you're a part of who we are. And, and even then it's not my job. Like that's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to introduce you to God and make sure you're still looking at God. Um, what God does to convict you of your sin is up to God, whatever your sin is. That's not my job. My, my job is to keep pointing you in the direction of God and, and hope that you see Jesus in me enough that you want a part of that too. Mm. I love that. Well, is there anything else that you want to say about this story before we go into our wrap-up questions? I would just say that um, for me, you know, this is one of those stories that 
even people who don't read the Bible and don't know Jesus know this story, right? Like this is a pop culture story that, you know, the, the story of the fall is one that TV and Hollywood have marketed on for a long time. So everybody knows this story. Um, but I think we do ourselves a disservice when we fall back on our vacation Bible school knowledge of Bible stories and we don't dig into stories for ourselves Hmm. Uh, because scripture is deep and rich and often PG 13. And it's one, this is one of those stories that in our minds, you're like, Oh, I don't need to reread that story. I know that story like the back of my hand, but just like any other scripture, God reveals new things to me every time I read it. So keep digging into scripture, even if you feel like you know it really well, because uh, God's going to teach you new things just by reading the text. I love that. So we are the Women in Youth Ministry podcast. I am curious if you have any advice or encouragement or just a word for the women who are listening. Oh, women, I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad you are working in churches and in parachurch organizations and serving teenagers. I'm so glad that young women and young men are getting to see women in leadership and understanding that what God looks like is broader than maybe they thought. Hmm. Uh, And I hope that you are finding somebody to pour into your lives because it is real easy to give all of ourselves to this gig called youth ministry or ministry in general uh, and burn out. And so don't do that. Find somebody who is pouring into your life so that you can be recharged and refilled so that you can continue to give of yourselves because the world needs women championing this just like they need our brothers in Christ but um, kids need to see women doing things that are different and special and they need to hear women in the pulpit and they need to hear see women in the hallways um, greeting on Sunday mornings and they need to see women doing all the things that men have done in church so they know that that's normal and that's what the body of christ looks like so i'm so proud of you keep keep going on uh, but also find somebody to pour into you Mm, i love that and then we are hopeful we got some bros listening especially since one of the reasons that i'm doing this particular series is i'm just hopeful that there are some men out there who might be listening to women either preach for the first time or preach this story for the first time or um, who are just more interested in the female perspective in general in the Bible. Um, so what point of encouragement, word of advice, or what word do you have to, for some of our brothers in ministry who are listening? Uh, gentlemen, I am so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that you're investing. And I'm going to challenge you and ask you to invest a little more, to up mm-hmm. your game just a little bit. Because for those of us that have been doing this for a while, it's easy to grow weary. Mm. It's easy to feel like we have to constantly defend our calls or defend what we're doing. And as brotastic as you are, that's not something that you necessarily have to go through. And so if you are on our side 
if you are a believer that women can be called to ministry and you are like team Phoebe and um, then we need you to step between us and the people who are throwing arrows at us Mm -hmm. Uh, because sometimes those voices who are trying to tear us down will listen to you in ways that they won't listen to us Um, and it lets us recharge a little bit when we know that you have our backs Mm -hmm. so so i'm asking you to up your game a little bit and I know that that's a risky thing to ask you because I know like there's a part of you who are like, that's anti-feminist and I should let women do what (laughs) all of that for yourselves. But I'm telling you, like not all the time, don't go and like mansplain women in youth ministry to people. (laughs) Um, That's not what I'm saying. But if you see somebody tearing down somebody's call or dismissing or just not even acknowledging the authority of the women that you're around, if you can take a moment and call that out and name it and elevate the women, um, it says a lot to us and it says a lot to the people who are doing the tearing down way more than anything that I say is just going to sound like gongs and symbols in their brains. So, 100%. I can speak, you know, as an organization that uh, singles out a group of people. It's not about singling out a group of people. It's about partnering so that we can lift a group of people to equity. Absolutely. So yeah, my, my favorite, my favorite people to partner with in ministry are mostly dudes. Uh, yeah. Cause you know, that's, that's what youth ministry looks like. You're you accessible. And I, <laughs> right. You and I are not the stereotype with, you know, the bald head and the goatee um, that is, or the, the beard right now. It's like the full Corona got the round belly. Being mountain man again. Um, like when you, when we go to youth ministry conferences, that's what it looks like. I often will tell people I'm the one without a beard and it's just as easy to find me in the room as it is. If I were to say, I'm the one who's a woman, like it's the same rate. Um, so yeah, we don't, we don't look normal. We don't look like the norm, but, um, so I love partnering with you. I love partnering with the norm. For sure. Well, Lonnie, thank you so much for being on. Um, I am definitely going to be pondering Adam and Eve tonight. I, I love Adam and Eve. I feel like they're a hot mess. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, I mean, they try to throw each other under the bus when God's standing right there. You know that, like, locked out of the garden, like, those first, that first week out of the garden was like, we wouldn't be here if you hadn't a blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, I know I can, I'm also personally going to go down a deep conspiracy rabbit hole tonight on YouTube, trying to find other people who think Adam and Eve are the reason we don't have dinosaurs. So, um, I'm going to be pushing that conspiracy theory. <laughs> I mean, I think it's dragons personally. Um, you know, if we, I could come back and tell you this, my youth group in St. Louis had this whole theory about, um, like the unicorns missed the arc, but God had worked really hard on unicorns because they were really awesome. And so he like rapid evolutioned them to be narwhals almost immediately so they could swim. So like his work didn't go to waste. Um, <laughs> like, That's a stretch. Totally, like, totally a thing. And then God's like, seriously, like just get on the boat. And they missed it. And so mm. rapid evolution. So he's like gills or whatever you need. Right. I'll give it to you your weird dolphins with a horn and (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, this is the best ending to a podcast episode ever. Right. So. (laughs) No, thank you so much for having me on and for doing this. It's so fun to hear women tell these Bible stories. Uh, I've loved it so far. So I'm excited about what's, what's to come. For sure. All right. Thank you, Lonnie, for being on. And until next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on Insta or Twitter at Women in YM. If you're a woman listening, we'd love to have you in our Facebook community. Visit womeninyouthministry.com to learn more.